0: Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into
1: today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. Welcome to The Sweat Room, everybody. We're so honored that you've decided to join us for our 15th episode So awesome. Just as a reminder, if you could subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, that would be great. And hey, maybe if you want to share with a friend, that would help us out too. We just want to bring you guys the best conversations we can, and today is no different. Today, we get to talk with Mark Porpilia. He's involved with HMI, also known as Hockey Ministries International. And man, he dives deep into what hockey culture is like and really how can we be praying for them. So here's our conversation. With Mark Porpilia, we want to welcome to the sweat room, Mark Porpilia. Uh, he is—he was a pastor in Rochester at Pittsford Community Church, and began being a volunteer chaplain with the Rochester Amherst, the Buffalo Sabers affiliate team in 2009 to 2010. From there, he felt the tug on his heart to work at Hockey Ministries International, also known as HMI. And in the uh, in the fall of 2010, after seeing the need to serve hockey players for Christ, Mark is married to his wife and three, and he has three kids. He's from Buffalo, and he currently lives in South Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thanks, guys. Great to be here.
2: Yeah, we're we're super excited, super excited to have you today, Mark. Um, and I want to start out with this. So, um, you grew up in Buffalo originally. Now you're in South Carolina. What do you miss about Buffalo?
0: Uh, shoveling snow. It's just <laughs> I don't get any of that here, and, uh, and it's terrible. I don't get any. So, no, uh, besides friends and family, uh, honestly, this is going to be dumb, but uh, Wegmans mm. and, and the Erie Canal. Uh, I would uh, ride my bike on the canal path, uh, you know, as much as possible, and I do miss that.
2: Oh, that's awesome. We do love Wegmans. That is something that I. Wegmans is great. If I ever move away from Buffalo, I know that I'll be with you and missing Wegmans. Wegmans (laughs) and Tim Hortons. That's the. Oh,
0: it's not even close. I mean, we've got some what people think are good grocery stores down here, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, then unfortunately, uh, Wigman set the bar pretty high. so
1: <laughs> That is so true. So you are at HMI. I'd love for our listeners just to know what is HMI and what's the, mis- the What's the mission of Hockey Ministries International? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, HMI, Hockey Ministries International,
0: um, we minister to hockey players. So um, if you can imagine, uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago, Our founder was a professional hockey player and was a Christian, but uh, found that the culture of hockey uh, drained his faith, didn't give him opportunities to really, you know, uh, express his faith well, and there was there wasn't a lot of help. He wasn't able to go to church on Sundays because they were either playing or traveling or whatever. So uh, when he retired, he created, you know, he started what became Hockey Ministries International to reach back into the hockey community, recognizing that the players and the, and the coaches and the staff um, are, are not going to go to church, whether they even want to or if they can't because of their traveling or whatever, they're not going mm. And so uh, we were there, you know, the, he started HMI to minister to the players who wanted to grow in their faith. And then, of course, from there also to evangelize those who did not have any faith because Uh, there's not a lot of faith in in the hockey community so um for every level from from youth all the way up to the highest levels of the nhl and uh and across the globe we uh, go into the arenas uh, with the gospel of christ and try to uh, evangelize and disciple the the players the staff and administration that are interested and um Uh, we're not, uh, we're not really embraced by the teams. Um, you know, we're sort of there as a, as an extra, um, as long as we play nice, Mm. they'll sort of let us do our little religious thing. So it's not like we're their mascot. We're not giving pump up speeches before games. We're not, uh, you know, rallying the troops. Um, we're there on an off day and uh, just trying to take the opportunities to, uh, to again, to, uh, have God's kingdom uh grow into into this particularly dark world of, of hockey. Mm.
2: And how did you end up at Hockey Ministries International and and why is that ministry something that you're passionate about specifically?
0: Well, I grew up in Buffalo uh in uh, so I grew up a Sabres fan and uh I played hockey my uh you know in my youth and uh in through high school and uh you know wasn't very good but I was uh, I loved it. And so, when, and, and know, where played, did you go
2: to high school? I went to
0: Hamburg. Hamburg, Hamburg. High is a Shout
2: out Hamburg. Go dogs. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, uh,
0: so yeah. So you know, and I played in the men's leagues afterwards, and it was just a hobby. But I, but I loved the sport. And, uh, and I got saved, and uh, you know, you know, fast forwarding, became a minister, and um, you know, still played occasionally, and as I could. Um, But anyways, then uh, through uh, sort of a random set of occurrences, an acquaintance uh, got a random email from Hockey Ministries International, and uh, my acquaintance worked at the local seminary. And uh, so HMI just said, hey, you know, you work at the seminary. Do you know any guys who might want to be a chaplain to the Rochester Americans? So he knew I was a hockey-playing pastor, and, uh, so he just forwarded the email to me and, uh, that started us off. So I didn't know HMI existed. I didn't know what it was. Um, I couldn't believe that it did once I found out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you said in the intro, then I, I, I was able to uh, volunteer my time during the '09 9 10 season with the Amherst. And, uh, but then from there I felt the tug to, to um, resign my position at the church and go full-time in the mission field into the hockey community.
1: Mm. Mm. so you've been involved in the hockey community for a while um and off air we got to talk with you a lot just about the hockey culture um what do people not know about hockey culture and the spiritual climate in the nhl
0: yeah well first let me compare it to i guess to what it is not it's not the nfl It's not Major League Baseball. It's not the NBA. It did not uh, grow out of the American South. So, uh, and certainly we're not a very Christian culture now, but historically, um, you know, taking football as an example, it's, you know, they opened, you know, football games with a prayer in the deep south and so football players and others are, are just used to having sort of religion around them mm. and so as they as time has gone on and as these players got to the pros it wasn't it was not odd to have a chaplain around and to and to have chapels and 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 the like and and many football teams actually have uh, a chaplain on staff the buffalo bills do and uh you know that's really up to the coach and as coaches come and go that comes and goes but um you know they're it's part of the culture in uh, in football and other sports hockey's different it didn't come out of the american south i mean it's you know born and raised in canada but uh, also in europe and so uh, neither one of those are, are christian hotbeds uh those uh those people who are believers tend to not be very vocal about it. Uh, so it's not, uh, you know, it's just very latent. They're, they're, they might be strong believers, but they're not very evangelical in their approach. So just hockey sort of grew up um, without religion involved, without Christ around. And so uh, it's very suspicious. It has been very suspicious of Christ, uh, the idea that if you come to Christ, you're going to get soft, you're going to get weak, um, I know of a, of a player, uh, NHLr, uh, uh, I believe it was a first round draft choice, but it was a high round draft choice, uh, Eventually, became captain of his team in later years. I mean, so a very you know, well-established, uh, hockey player, um, he actually got let go from his team and the general manager publicly said it was because it, in his words, he found religion wow. um, and, and it's true. He, mm. he came to Christ. And, uh, and is a strong believer to this day. But you know, back then, they just said, no, you're, you're, a, you're a religious guy. That means you're going to be soft. You're going to be divided. And so there's just this suspicion that when you come to Christ, um, it's going to mess with you, and you're not going to be sold out 100% to the team, to the sport. And unfortunately, there's actually some truth to it. Because as someone comes to Christ, and if they come to Christ legitimately, then some of their old idols start to fall away. Mm. But if you've been playing for one of these idols all your life, fame and fortune and prestige or whatever it was, sure and now that starts to dwindle, well, but if something doesn't take its place, there is a little bit of a void. Like, wait a second, I was, you know... I was, You know, some guy might say, man, I was just playing to just sleep with every girl possible. Well, now I've come to Christ and I recognize that's not the path, so I'm not going to do that, but why am I playing? Mm. Or I was just playing for my glory, and I realize now that it's not about my glory, it's about Christ's glory, but all my, all my motivation beforehand was for my glory, so how do I play? for christ's glory and so there often is this little void you know it might be a month it might be a full season but there's that time when maybe the fire is gone a little bit until they redirect and find a new you know a new passion so so anyways hockey has been very very suspicious very uh uh, you know straight-armed uh you know stay away um because uh to, to hockey um hockey is god Mm. and you're here to play you're here to produce and if you can't produce there's you know ten thousand other people who will take your place and so uh you just better
2: mm. now mark do you have any any stories or experience of when you've seen that kind of play out where players see that they need to produce if they're not producing then they're like oh or they're not you know in it for like the team just themselves like do you have any stories of when you've seen that happen
0: I have, yes, I've got dozens of stories. I, my only hesitation is I don't want to uh, break confidences and name names, sure. but, um, but yes, um, at, at really at every level. And I've done, uh, for personally, I've done NCAA uh, Division three, all the way up to the NHL and everything in between. So I've done that gamut. And at every level, when I've seen, when players have really got a hold of Christ, or maybe I should say Christ has really got a hold of them, Mm. You can tell that there is a, you know, a, a sense of, I, I'm just not, um, I just don't care as much anymore about, about the game. Not in a bad way. I would actually say in a very healthy way because mm-hmm. they were overcommitted. It was, uh, it was an idol. They were putting all of their other aspects on hold and that wasn't that wasn't good, um but that's what the game demands to be at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be thinking about it twenty four seven in fact uh, a a buffalo saber um after a chapel had pulled me aside and he said, "But mark, what is this meaning God? what is this chapel stuff? What does this have to say to me? I'm a guy who thinks about hockey twenty four seven I go home and I stick handle in in my living room, you know, and I just keep my hands soft and to try new moves and all this. So what does this have to say to me who's thinking about hockey 24-7? And I said, you know what? You got to stop thinking about hockey 24-7. Like there is actually something bigger in life than hockey. His name is Jesus. And I'm not saying don't like hockey. I'm not saying don't try. But when you're so consumed and you're so wrapped up in your sport, in anything, that Christ really is a secondary player. Well, that's an idol and that's a sin. And it'll eventually kill you because hockey's a great game, but it's a lousy God. It will not forgive you. Mm. If, if you make the wrong pass, if you don't make the save at the right time, like I said, there are 10,000 other guys waiting to take your spot. And at that level, believe it or not, there's not a lot of, except for the superstars. I mean, You know, I mean, quite frankly, Jack Eichel is sick. I mean, he's just got, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, he's, he's above and beyond, you know, and, uh, and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and, you know, okay. You got the superstars, but okay. There's one per team. Now you take the other 22 guys on the team and they're all pretty close in skill. And then you go down to the American league, quite frankly, they're pretty close. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, I always describe it. I've never been to Harvard, but they say it's a smart place. And so I can imagine, you know, going to Harvard and being the valedictorian of your, of your high school. Yeah. Everyone was, yeah. <laughs> everyone at Harvard was the valedictorian. True. So you're like, you're a genius among geniuses. And so now you're getting the 97 on the test and you're the dummy. Mm. And so that's what like an American League player, you know, in that proportion, it's like he's at Harvard and he's given a 97, but in that crowd, he's the dummy.
1: Mm.
0: So of these elite, elite, elite hockey players, you know, he's, you know, the American League guys, the Amherst, they're only getting 97s. Mm. And that's what keeps them down. It's not like the pro, you know, it's not like the Sabres are getting 97s and the Amherst are getting 77s. Sure. no there's except for those rare superstars there's just that little bit between them and so they're so the competition is fierce they are there's no sense of team don't ever believe if you think like oh wow we're a team they're never a team they're playing for themselves and they are just trying to get the next contract the next whatever so that they can keep keep going so Anyways, that was a little long-winded, but all of this to say, the culture of hockey says be self-absorbed, be as best as you can, Mm. and quite frankly, compete against your teammates. And so if Christ comes into that equation, well, that doesn't sound Christian, does it? Like, oh, we're supposed to think of others better than ourselves. Mm. Oh, we're supposed to take the role of a servant like this does not compute and how do you do that in a sense successfully within the team it's very difficult mm-hmm. um as we said off air before i mean, i you know i don't think there are there are maybe a dozen maybe like legit born again believers in the nhl that are taking their walk with Christ seriously. I'm not saying there aren't more people who are saved. Only Christ saves, and I'll let Him worry about who's in heaven or not. But I'm talking about those guys where you say, "Okay, they're imperfect, but their faith is like, no, they're legit, and you know, we can sort of be proud of them in their faith." There's very few. I was on a uh, a conference call yesterday. And we were trying to increase the ministry. And uh, one of the ideas was to have uh, some players, you know, sort of step up. Wouldn't it be great if this guy stepped up and led the charge ministry-wise? And, yeah, we were all like, yeah, it'd be great. He's not going to. Because they're absolutely consumed with their career. They're encouraged to be absolutely consumed with their career. Quite frankly, they probably have to to be at that level. To be, you know, an outspoken Christian and an elite player, it's very difficult to do. Hmm.
1: And I know when we were talking off air, uh, a story that you mentioned to us was just even something as simple as, you know, the movie The Avengers. And David and Goliath, like they're not aware of certain things. I love for our listeners just to hear a little of that, of that, of that, those stories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the Avengers, well, uh, it's really the same story, but they're just two different analogies. So (laughs) I was using, I was using the Avengers as a, as an example. I was just like, you know, guys, it was like, it was like when this happened in the Avengers, and they all looked at me like, you know, like they don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. No, no, you know, the, the movie, you've seen, you know, the, the Marvel movies, you know, just <laughs> like, yeah, you've seen that, you know, and like, they hadn't. Mm. And, you know, this is a group of, of, you know, young to mid-20 young men who haven't seen the Marvel movies. Now, you know, I don't care if you have or not, but I think if you're a 23-year-old man, you've probably seen a few of them. Sure. <laughs> and that and the fact that they hadn't, well, why hadn't they? Because they're one dimensional. Mm. And so they just they don't go see Marvel movies and they don't learn to play the guitar and they don't, you know, continue their education or whatever. Often. Because like the guy I was telling you that, that, that former Sabre who just said, you know, what about me? Like they're absolutely consumed with one thing. Mm. They know hockey, and they're very good at it, but at that level the you know the difference between starting and and being sent down is you know it could be the difference between do you shoot the puck with your left you know left or do you shoot right? It could be that difference
1: mm.
0: uh-huh. um, and so it's just it's very competitive, they're very insecure because of that once again uh, if you ever meet some of these elite players and you think wow what a put together guy i can almost guarantee you they can mm. almost guarantee you that they're uh, very insecure and very afraid i'm not saying they're bad people sure i'm just saying uh, the culture is just one that it thrives on fear we don't want anybody to be comfortable here because we want everybody in a sense to play like it's their last game because it just might be mm and management more often. I mean. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I, well, I had an AMERC. Uh, so, you know, in the, in the hierarchy, it goes, you know, Sabres and then AMERCs, and then it goes down to the ECHL. And, um, at the time it was Almira. and he was between Elmira and Rochester. So he was on that bubble. He was one of the you know, bottom guys, if you will, in, in Rochester, but he was one of the top guys in Elmira. And so he would ride that bubble. And so sometimes he'd play up in Roch. Sometimes he'd play down in Elmira. And he said to me about playing in Rochester, he said, I have to be at my best every minute just to stay here. Wow. And yeah, that, that's a horrible way to live. When you can't make, you're going to make a mistake. But when you feel like you're walking on eggshells, and if you make one mistake, you're going to get sent down, which not only is that one step away from your ultimate goal of um, of the NHL, but uh, the money is different. Mm. And so, and there's just, you know, every little thing is just sort of ultra scrutinized. It is. It's a, it's a terrible way to live. So the other one you brought up, uh, David and Goliath. Yeah, so I was going to do a chapel on uh you know, same ideas, the Marvel movies, but I just said, All right, guys, we're gonna talk today, we're gonna talk about David and Goliath. And they all just looked at me with blank expressions. And I said, David and Goliath. Nothing. I said, You don't know David and Goliath? And they you know they shook their head. I said, wait a second. When I say David and Goliath, you don't immediately think of a big guy and a little guy? No. no. And you know, I mean, that struck me, like, David and Goliath is, is cultural. I mean, it is. It's biblical. Yeah. But, you know, you, it's along the lines of the Cinderella story, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a David and Goliath story. It's the little guy taking on the, the, you know, the giants. It's whoever. You, you, don't, you don't even know what I'm talking about? Mm. Uh, and so, like, they don't, they don't know all, often. I don't want to bunch them all together, but i i feel comfortable doing that that as a as a group they're overly focused on the game of hockey not focused on anything else which who cares about marvel but now they don't know the lord jesus christ hmm. and uh so that's david and goliath one more this is absolutely true story last easter so like a year and a, and a few months ago uh it was the week before Easter and, uh, we were having a chapel and I said, all right, guys, um, this Sunday, what's Sunday? Well, they said with confidence, Easter, that's right. It's Easter. What do we celebrate at Easter? Again, crickets. And then one player sheepishly just said very like tentatively like resurrection. Hmm. Said that's right. Jesus died on Friday. We call that Good Friday. He died on the cross. And then on Sunday, he resurrected. He rose again from the dead, for real. He like became alive. And so that's what we celebrate on Easter. Now, besides that being a really interesting trick, what's the significance of that? No clue.
1: Mm.
0: And these are people, these are players that, are, that would consider themselves Christian, that would consider themselves religious, you know, in their culture. They are, they're the, you know, they're the altar boys. And they don't even know, forget belief. They don't actually even know what Easter means. They don't know David and Goliath. They don't know the Marvel movies. They don't know. And so we go to them to try to tell them of this God that they know so little about, um, and you know, to tell them that God, you know, Jesus died for their sins is absolutely irrelevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's, here's how I, uh, cause I, early on, I would, I would bring them the gospel and my friends would always encourage me, Mark, are you giving them the gospel? You're giving them the gospel. Make sure you give them the gospel. I'm giving them the gospel. And they're not getting it. And here's what dawned on me. When I say, Jesus died for your sins. Here's what they're hearing. You and Jesus are walking along the Niagara River, and he looks at you and he says, You know what? I love you. And you say, Wow, thanks, Jesus. And he goes, No, 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 no. I really love you. I love you so much. I don't know how else to tell you other than goodbye. And he jumps into the Niagara River and he goes over the falls and he dies. Mm. That's what they heard. Jesus died for my sins. That's weird. Why did he do that? Yeah, seems sort, of, sort of stupid, actually, and we're supposed to honor that. So then I started relaying it this way. You and Jesus are walking along the Niagara River, and you fall in. Mm. And you're about to go over the falls, but then Jesus jumps in after you, saves you from dying but in the process he goes over the falls and he dies he died saving you oh that's a different story and so to say even jesus died for your sins is absolutely meaningless to them it doesn't make any sense so the challenge is to say no no, no. you were di- you were drowning <laughs> you were dying you you may not know this, and I tell this, this all the time. You may not know this. You may not even believe me at the moment. But tuck it in your back pocket, and remember that this idiot called Mark told you this one time. You are dying. You're drowning, and you're about to go over the falls. But Jesus loves you so much that he dove into your mess to save you from dying, from eternal death. We call it hell. And in the process, though, he died, and he took your place. I want you to know that. Because, like I said, they don't know what David and Goliath means. They don't know what Easter even means. They don't even know what the words, Jesus died for your sins, means. Mm. And so that's the, also the joy. When I sat around, that, I mean, I... I had uh, seven teams last year, and so I do the same, you know, the same chapel each week for each team. But in this one particular time, the, the team actually, we met at a Panera, Bread, <laughs> And so we're sitting, around, we're sitting around in the middle of Panera, and I'm telling this group of young hockey players the gospel that have never heard it for real. I mean, it was, for me, I don't know, it might have been boring for them. But for me, it was absolutely electric. Like, this is why you get in the ministry. Like, I am legit in the middle of Panera. So who else else can hear me? Hmm. I am praising the Lord Jesus for his death and his resurrection to a group of people who have never, ever heard it. And so that's the electricity. That's why we go. That's why we do what we do and we put up with what we put up with. Um, but the challenge is you can't start sort of halfway there because cause they don't know a darn thing.
2: Sure. So, Mark, I love hearing just, you know, sort of, you know, some of these, these positives of just like, yeah, like these players are, they, they hear the gospel now and they have that opportunity through these chaplains through HMI, this ability to hear the gospel. How is hockey spiritually different now than maybe it was 15 or 20 years ago?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, So I would say um, everything is more tolerated. Mm -hmm. So um, whether that be, um, you know, uh, you know, gay pride month, whether that be black lives matter, whether that be the gospel of Christ, Everything is finding its place more and more within the hockey community, um, which is, uh, from a biblical perspective, from a Christian perspective, is good. When I was with the Sabres, I was very welcomed within the walls of the arena. Um, you know, people smiled when they saw me, they shook my hand, and that was all good. Um, so, not a lot of persecution, like there used to be, like the, the guy who lost his job for becoming a christian That the, i don 't I mean who knows, but that probably doesn 't happen any longer sure. more to, more tolerance, and so yay, um, but the truth is, um, the believers that are there everything 's much more lukewarm hmm. um, the, the The story I told you about the the man who lost his his position that sort of era of christian believers it was tough on them but they were legit those are the you know i mean they've been retired a long time now and you know and and but those are the guys that we actually still look up to that we still bring into camp to tell their story because their uh you know their faith was legit Mm -hmm. and so now it's let's say it's easier um, a little bit more accepted but so is everything else and so everything just seems to be watered down. And so even the believers that are around uh, today, um, you know, again, I, you, know, you know, who am I to cast stones and to judge, but or just for clarity in this conversation, yeah, they're lukewarm. And so that's the challenge, too. Not, 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 you know, the, Most of them don't even know anything, but when they do come to faith, it's just not that, like, sold out flat out all out that that it was maybe you know maybe
1: 15 20 years ago so when you pray for the nhl um what is your prayer for nhl for hockey and off that what can we do as just for as listeners as the church what can we be doing to pray for just the nhl and for hockey as well
0: yeah well, it really is. Uh, hopefully, my stories have illuminated this fact that I'm not just using this term. It's an unreached people group right in our backyard. Mm-hmm. These are largely American and Canadian kids, and of course European too, but you know, largely American and Canadian. You know, young men and women. I've done some women's teams as well in their twenties um, that don't know. Don't, they don't even know the gospel, and and then when they do, there's just not that that passion that sold outness um, that i would like to see so what do i pray i pray and uh you know with you and all of your listeners uh i don't know what you think about tim tebow he's you know i want to be tim tebow when i grow up you know uh you know so uh but there's just not a lot of tim tebows in hockey there aren't a lot of tony dungies there's not those guys where you say no you know, you know in the moment while they're active, they're, they're living for Christ. Um, and so that's what I would like to see there, that there would be uh, more players who just took, um, you know, their faith again, a little bit more seriously. And here's it because if they did, I, I, we, we joked last time and I, I just love saying it, but it's absolutely true. If we think about the NHL, if a player wanted a rodeo clown, the team would get him a rodeo clown, like whatever the player wants, the player's going to get, that's just (laughs) bottom line. So, um, now, the, downs- the other side to that coin is, well, you'd better produce. Like, yeah, we'll get you the rodeo clown, but I want a hat trick tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. like there is a, there's a give and take here. But if if a player wanted uh, chapel presence, you know, if they wanted a chaplain around, the t- uh, largely the team wouldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. If he stood up and said to his teammates, hey, guys, why don't we come to my house on a Tuesday night and have a Bible study. You know, I mean, that would that's a, that's available, but we don't have those guys that are going to do it. So my prayer is that there would be hockey players that, while they're in the game, not afterwards, that they would take their faith seriously and push for chapel or just say, hey, we'll you know, let's let's meet off ice. We, well, fine, management doesn't want us to meet at the arena. No worries. We'll meet somewhere else. We'll meet at Panera. Let's do that. Um, So that's what I pray for. And then, so how can uh, you or anyone else get involved? Um, Well, certainly to recognize that there's, you know, hockey ministries international is the world's leader in ministry to the hockey community. And we are barely scratching the surface. I mean, I'm just, just to say that, you know, (laughs) you know, and this is not putting down anybody else, but we focus on hockey. So all we do is hockey. We've got the best resume for hockey ministry in the world and we're, we're doing nothing. There's so much hockey out there. If you think of just Western New York, think of all the hockey that's out Mm -hmm. there. And so how, how can you do it? Well, how about if a dad said to his, his son's team, Hey, how about after practice? We have a Bible study. Um, you know, use your platform. Use the connections that you already have and use it for, for Christ. Mm. Um, if you come across an HMI chaplain, uh, you know, a staff member, we are support rays, We are missionaries. So, yeah, go ahead and throw them, throw them some cash because we need it. Um, you know, maybe reach out to the local team and see if the, you can host a dinner for them. Mm. um, whatever. I mean, there's really the, the thing is, is endless. It's just to say, but it will cost you. It'll cost you some time. It'll cost you some money. It'll cost you some effort. It might cost you a little bit of uh, criticism. If you're going to be that parent that says, Hey, let's, you know, Hey, we've got the, we've got the tournament this weekend and which includes Sunday, but between game four and five, we've got an hour and a half. Mm. How about if we had a church service? And then, well, you're no, maybe the parent doesn't feel qualified. Well, they go onto the HMI app or website, and they download one of our YouTube videos. And now you've got a 10-minute message that you can you know, preview yourself, have a few questions and answers or whatever ready, and you can just do it. But just take the opportunity to, to uh, use what you're already in. I always say hockey players and hockey families, I'm gonna say this, all every hockey family I've ever met is a fantastic disciple. Mm. Wrong God. Because every hockey player I've ever met has given up a lot, especially at the elite levels. At the at the like at the pro level, these boys, even though they're getting paid, they have given up a lot for their sport. They are fantastic disciples. If we had people in the church that were as devoted to Christ as these hockey players are devoted to hockey, I mean, yeah, we would storm the gates of hell. Mm. <laughs> but they are great disciples, wrong God. Mm. And so, and I, I tell this them, I've told this to them hundreds of times, that exact line, say, guys, I'm not asking you, and Christ is not asking you to do anything that you haven't already done. Because you've already sold your soul. He's just asking you to, in a sense, give it to him. Mm. You've already bow, bowed your knee to a master. Give it to him. You've already given up your spare time and opportunities. You know, I mean, everyone in Canada, they, they forget they don't go to, to college so they can go to major junior because that's the best way to get to the NHL. And then they get to the, then they get to the pros and they do or don't make it to the NHL and now they don't have a a college career to fall back on They they've only done hockey their entire life. They don't even know the Marvel movies. I mean, that is sold out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Wrong guy. Mm. So
0: HMI tries to tell them about the God who really loves them. And, uh, and in fact, do you got time or am I running over?
2: You're good. All right. You're good. So
0: I was at, uh, I was at a game and uh, there was a player who came to chapel, um, but he wasn't at the game he wasn't on the ice and he wasn't in the stands and i heard nothing about him being scratched so i texted him i said hey man you like you around or whatever he's texted back and said uh we got to talk so the next day we met for lunch and um he had just received his ninth concussion Oof. and he uh he, he uh got word like probably he's done Mm. like you think but (laughs) but he's uh you know i forget exactly he's 19 20 years old he's you know he's he's on the verge of he hasn't made it yet but he's on the verge he's in the system and and now he's gonna he's gonna be done and so very, very dark, day, you know, days as he's recognizing not, not only does he, is he concussed, but he's recognizing, I am done. Mm-hmm. Oh! His girlfriend broke up with him. And he has to call home and tell his parents I'm done. Mm-hmm. So when he calls his parents and says, you know, this is, I, I'm probably done. His dad says what every dad would say. No, his dad does not say, "I love you, son. It's okay. Come home. I just care about you." He says, "You effing coward. Mm. You effing A. I thought you were tough. Wow. Get get back in there. I'll will come down there. I'll take your place. I'll show him what tough looks like. Mm. I thought you know. I thought you were a man. I thought you were this. You're an effing coward." This is from his dad. Wow. So as I'm talking to this player, and I'm already tearing up, he's telling me this, and uh, this guy's huge. This this player's huge. I mean, he, he got the concussions because he's a fighter. Mm. I mean, he's, and he's in the, he's in the phys, he's a physical specimen, and he's telling me this, and I said, um, you know, I just want you to know. And he said, I said, you can hit me if you want. And this is why I bring up how big he is. I said, you can hit me. <laughs> but your dad's an a-hole. <laughs> he said, I know. And I said, let me tell you about another father who doesn't care if you're a hockey player in the best way. Who loves you no matter how you perform, no matter how far you get. If this is the last, that's the last hockey game you ever played, he loves you. And I got to tell him about God the Father. I got to tell him about Jesus Christ. He never, ever heard it. And you could see him like he was interested. And he's sort of like, he's receiving it. And then the ghosts would come back. No, 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 I, f- I failed, man. I'm a loser. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'd say no. And I'd tell him about Christ. And you could see himself like opening up to it. And then the ghosts would come in and be like, no, 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 I just, you know, I can't. So, all right, so we ended, we ended the, uh, the conversation. And a couple of days later, late at night, I get a phone call, and it's him. Mm. And I'm like, oh, boy, this can't be good. He says, Mark, would you baptize me? Wow. Uh. I said, um, um, well, sure, um, but, like, let's meet again because let's talk about this. All right, so we're gonna have we're gonna have lunch the next day, and I hung up and I told my wife I said he he wants to be baptized and she's like is he saved I said I don't even know like this is like we never talked about baptism and when when we left last time he wasn't like he had never heard so I I meet with him for lunch and um, I mean yeah a baby baby Christian Um, I mean like I I think about the was it three thousand who got saved at Pentecost. Like, I don't think they had every piece of the puzzle organized yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think they probably had to figure some things out. And, and, and this player had to figure some things out. He didn't know everything, but here's what he knew. This, this God that I told him about, he wants them, mm. And he wants more of them. That's what he knew. Mm. And so, like, a week later, I got to baptize him into the family.
2: praise god and
0: yeah it was it was just awesome but you know here's that's the electricity that's why we go is because i i often joke that uh you know i've been ignored by some of the greatest hockey players in the world (laughs) as i stand in that back hallway and they pass by me as if i'm not even there they just they absolutely ignore me. And, you know, most of our life is actually standing in a back hallway being ignored, truthfully. Mm. Um, but for those moments, when this kid had no clue that there was another type of father out there, mm. that there was a God who cared for him so much that he would send his son to die, and, and I got to be the guy to tell him. Mm. And then walk him across the threshold. That's that's gold.
2: Mm, that is powerful. Man, you got me tearing up over here, just 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 hearing about it. And yeah, I, I know that I've appreciated everything that you've shared with us and especially that story, just being able to hear some of your heart and to hear You know, one of the ways that God has used you and HMI for his work, because God's on a mission to our hurting world, and he's invited you, and he's invited me, and he's invited those listening to be a part of this mission, and I love to hear your role and your piece and part of that family, and I, I know for sure, and I think I told you this before, but when I watch the Sabres play, when I watch the NHL, man... I hope that that's a reminder to me to pray for those guys because when I hear you share my heart breaks and man, if they can know about that father that loves them, I can change their lives.
0: Amen. And they are, they're, they're a hurting group as a whole. They're a lost group as a whole. And because they just don't know they legit, don't know. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, and, you know, for us, hockey's an excuse. It's a tool. It's a, that we get to, it's a platform that we get to use to just shine the light that is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how can people, you know, how can people help HMI? I, I would actually just say, listeners, wherever you are, If you're in the hockey community, use it as a tool, but it's about Christ. And if you don't play hockey at all, but you play baseball, use it. And you don't play sports at all, but you're in construction, use it. Mm. And you don't do any of that, but you're at school, use it. Mm. It's all just an excuse. It's 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 the third thing. It's the thing that brings us together. Oh, we both happen to know a little bit about hockey. While we're here, let me tell you about a father who loves you. Uh wow.
2: that's so good, Mark. Well, thank you so much for well, being thank you. and yeah. sharing your heart and being vulnerable and open to us. Um, I know that Noah and I have appreciated every moment we've gotten to talk with you, and I know that all of our listeners will as well. So thank you for joining us on the sweat room today, Mark.
0: Thank you. It was great being here. God bless you
2: guys. Wow. That was a powerful conversation, let me tell you. Noah, what were some of your takeaways and reflecting points on that conversation with Mark?
1: Yeah, what a what a sobering uh, talk with Mark today. Um, I think what was so eye opening uh, of that conversation is just when he is talking about. You know, just the simple story of David and Goliath, or even you know, go, having them go out to to the movies, like something like the Avengers, and having a, some of these hockey players not even know what what is a part of culture. Hockey is life to these guys, and it's it's all they know, and it, it truly shows how, how dark the hockey hockey culture is, and uh, just a reminder that man, we need to be aware of. Of, of that and to be praying for these players. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts?
2: Yeah, it, on that, it's just so interesting. He's saying about how there's basically this unreached people group in our backyard in these hockey players. And I'm so excited for HMI and what they're doing and and Mark's heart and seeing that. Because now, unlike years and years ago, we have chaplains for each team. We have people that care about these hockey players that are pouring into their lives. And something that Mark mentioned to us um, the other day was that he would like for our listeners, for myself, for Noah, whoever's listening, to adopt a player, now, what he means by that is pick a player, could be from your favorite team, and pray for that player. Adopt that player as a as a person to pray for. Now, that person may get injured, they may go down to the minor leagues, they may retire, who knows. But keep that person on your prayer list, because they've got a lot of pressure as we hear, and, and hearing Mark talk about what they're going through is they're alone, and prayer is powerful. There, nothing great in ministry has ever happened without prayer. And so that's where we want to start. And that's where we can join Mark and what they have going on at HMI is by praying for these players and praying for the chaplains. And I loved how he finished, too,
1: of just that if it's just that one player that he got to baptize, you know, it, it was worth it. He got to have that conversation. There was, you know, there's still hope. And as as hard of a conversation as that was, there's still always hope. And I love that how we finished that.
2: Yeah. Always hope. There's always hope for a brighter future. Next week we get to interview an NBA sports writer, coach and author Tyler Smith. Here's an excerpt of our conversation with Tyler Smith. I personally love it. I know it's not for everybody, but I feel like everything
0: that I'm doing is for a purpose if it was just for entertainment, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to handle it, but I really feel like each thing I do is for a reason. Uh, I also think way back to college, I really learned how to, uh, plan prioritize because I was involved in a lot in college, uh, playing a couple sports and in that Christian concert promotions company and, uh, had a long distance girlfriend and I was, had a weekend ministry two hours away. I mean, all this stuff, I learned how to look at you know each week in advance, make sure I'm getting the things done that I need to get done, prioritizing what's most important.
2: And remember, in The Sweat Room, we get it, got it, give it.
0: Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church.